him and my mom split up when I was seven. And we had a relationship, but it certainly wasn't like a typical uh, daughter daughter father relationship. You know, he was just kind of like around, you know, he would call me pretty much every weekend, but like, no, like Christmas together, birthdays, things like that. Um, he was very, very unwell. He was actually unhoused at the time that he died. Um, so he didn't have a phone, you know, I, he didn't have a house. Like I, I couldn't like go and find him. So it was very much, you know, the relationship was very uh, dependent on him, like to to call me and to reach out and things like that. So it was weird that he didn't call me on Christmas because he normally knew that I'd be in town in my hometown and like try to see me, me, my sister, my mom, we'd all be together. So we'd always try to get together. So I thought that was really odd. And I get home about two hours, you know, from my hometown the next day, wake up. And that's when I get the call. Hi, your dad, his body's been found. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Every L Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Every O Podcast where Every O is not a loss and we discuss it at length to find out what was it if not a loss and as you can probably tell from the previous episodes various people have various stories they want to share and it's very unique and very personal to them but if you resonate with it for any particular reason hold on to that and just take it forward because life is going to have ups and downs that's a given the only time life doesn't have ups and downs is when you're flatlining and you're dead then you've got other things to concern yourself with. But while you're here, while you're living, while you're breathing, take heed to some of the stories that people are telling you because some of the lessons that they've learned from it, you'd have to go through what they've gone through to get it. But you're getting a nice sample of those situations and still getting the gems dropped from them. So please just take it. I'm super excited as always to have my guests come on and share because they owe me nothing to do this, but they're taking it upon themselves to sacrifice time at their busy schedule to come on and share their stories. So let me go on to who my guest is today. Now this person, truthfully, not spoken to before. I have watched them from afar for a number of years. Like I remember when they were at this previous place and then they were doing what they did. They had their setup, it evolved, and then eventually they upgraded, moved house, and you're just sitting there going, okay, cool. How's this going? But it was the fact that the content this person was putting out was so authentic. They were so real. It wasn't like everyone else, as I previously said to them, that other people can do it in a sensational sort of way where they make things seem better than it actually is. But she'll share things with you. She'll tell you the mistakes she's made along the way. She has no reason to do this. She could honestly hide it in the background and gloss over it like, no, I've always been 100. That's just me. I deliver. But she's not. She's been authentic. And that's something you rarely get on internet these days, especially with someone in her position. And she's taught me stuff. She's challenged me stuff about my journey in the digital marketing field. So I am absolutely overwhelmed and grateful to the wonderful Natasha, who is here today. And I just want to say thank you again for coming on and thank you for everything you've taught me thus far. And I look forward to learning more from you. 
Thank you so much. Such kind words. Uh, too kind, honestly. Just a normal human who makes tons of mistakes as well. And I'm really excited for this show. Like, I think it's such a genius concept because we don't talk about those L's enough. We don't talk about what it takes to actually get to, you know, whatever position you're in enough. So I'm super excited for the conversation. No, much appreciated. And I wouldn't say that words are too kind because I've had a few hardships in my life and I've not covered them on the podcast because it's not for me to sort of share my stories. You kind of have to go on my Instagram to get those. But on here, it's about giving everyone else a voice to speak. And do, a brief story, I had five family members lost or pass away in my life. And it was over a 16-month span, each individual. So that really knocked me for six. So I'm very much of the opinion of giving people flowers while they're living rather than when on their tombstone. So if I compliment people, it's authentic. It's not It's not contrived in any way, shape or form. But I'd rather give it to you now because we never know what happens once we lock off this call. And I'd rather you, as most people do, we hold on to the bad things, forget about the good things. So if I can, you might have had a really poor day. I have no idea. You wear a smile pretty much every time I see you online anyway. You could be having bad days and those. But if you are having a bad day, here you go. Here's some flowers given to you. If you're having a great day already, here you go. Let's compliment the day further. So I'm always about just giving people their dues whenever possible. But that's in, that's enough talking about me. <laughs> Let's talk about you. So as you guys know, um, I don't ever do anything beforehand. I literally just jump in and go based on what they said. So the first, first L, because there's two today, that Natasha would like to talk about is getting passed over for a promotion at my first corporate job. Now, that sounds a bit brutal. And I have so many questions in my head where I'm like, oh, I want to know, how, oh, is it this, is it that? Let's back it up. Let's go from the top. So we have the context and then lead into it as you see fit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I got my first corporate job right out of college at a fantastic Fortune 500 company. Uh, you know, definitely not what I would have expected for my first job. I uh, definitely thought I was going to have to work my way up and, you know, work somewhere kind of terrible at first. I'd worked, of course, you know, in college. I worked retail jobs for years. I was a manager at retail jobs and, uh, yeah, worked really hard my whole life. I started working when I was 15, but this was like my first cubicle job. Uh, so got the job. Job offer was given 13 days. I think it was 13 days to move two hours across the state and start this job. Yeah. So that was that was exciting. Um, considered living in Airbnbs. Long story short, I ended up finding a place like a room in a house with somebody I used to work with years ago. Um, but yeah, I got the job. It went really well. Did was one of the top performers. It was basically like a call center, but digital. So it was in the marketing department and we were handling all the chats that came in. So as opposed to like having a headset and actually talking to people, it was all online. And I crushed it because I am a child of the internet, obviously. <laughs> um, that was like perfect for me. Introvert, no problem. Great writer. Super easy. Um, I was not like referring so many leads to the sales team. Uh, absolutely crushing it. So they were expanding the department. And I had only been there probably like, I don't know, it was probably like five or six months. It was pretty quick. And I actually wasn't going to apply for this promotion. But my manager, she was like, Latasha, why aren't you applying? We're hiring like, I think they were hiring three or four leads. Um, that would be so. 
the company I was technically like a temp, like a so I don't I don't know if you have the same thing over there, but it's we do have temps, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't actually hired into the company, meaning I didn't get benefits. The salary wasn't as great, things like that. So these positions would be full time salary roles. You know, basically a, a great starting point to start a career with this company that people retire from. I mean, people would love to retire from a company like this. And my manager, she was like, why aren't you applying for this? You know, you're, you're killing it. Like you should be applying for this, this promotion. So I did. Um, cause I was like, I'm a shoe in, right? Like, why would she ask me to apply to something that I wasn't going to get? And there were like four positions. So, uh, I was like, I have to be getting at least one of them. And yeah, I interviewed, went swimmingly, just went amazing. You know, they asked about all of the things that I love that they wanted somebody who could train. And I know, I mean, what I do for, for those who don't know, like I do online education today, I've always been a teacher, a trainer. Like I've always loved that side of all of my work. Like I said, I was a manager in retail for many, many years. And that was always my favorite part was working with people, helping people, you know, develop people. Uh, yeah, interview went amazing. I like walked out of that interview. I remember I went to my then boyfriend's house and was just like, I crushed it. Like, let's let's go get a drink. Like, let's go celebrate. Um, and then a few weeks went by and I got called in to this little office in our chat lab from the same manager who asked me to apply. And she was like, she just sat me down and said, Latasha, I'm not going to give you the pr- promotion. <laughs> so I was like, okay, thank you for the warning before you announced all of the people who got it. And that's how she started the conversation. And she was like, but I want to give you basically the first loser prize, which is still a temp position, but it's like an elevated role. So it's kind of her getting the best of both worlds because I was going to be doing more work. I was going to be doing all the training, but I still wasn't, I, I got a little pay raise, but it wasn't, you know, what I would be getting for the full-time role. Uh, yeah. And um, when they announced the people who actually got the role, many of them like totally were deserving. Don't get me wrong. Nice. Yeah, for sure. And and they were like, okay, I knew that person was going to get it. I knew that person was going to get it. They were kind of already in these leadership roles as it was. But the the fourth person was a mystery. Nobody knew who this person was. And she was, she didn't work in the department already. She came externally. So I was like, okay, who is this person? She must come from like one of the competitors or, you know, she's got to be like really good. And again, no disrespect to this person. She's a wonderful, sweet person, but she was, her, her aunt worked for the company. So (laughs) it was one of those. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was the long story short of how I got passed over the first time. But that sounds brutal because (laughs) You work hard. You're good at yeah. what you do. You're great at what you do. Someone's prompting you to make an application. Like, come on, apply it. You don't encourage someone to do so. If you like someone, you don't encourage them to make an application for something there's no chance of them getting. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Okay, <laughs> so how old were you again when you did this? I was probably like 24 or 25. So Okay, so mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And... You've worked in management before, but you're enjoying this job. You're flying high. Yes, you haven't got the full-time contract that ideally you'd like to have with all the perks and the sustainability and everything else that goes along with it. This opportunity comes along. You're feeling excited, I take it? Yeah, for sure. Super excited. You're You're doing your revision. You're doing your research because that's the type of person you are. You do your research. You spend that time 
getting your head together so that when you talk, you're eloquent, you know what you're talking about. And they say to you, yeah, <laughs> you didn't get it. Yeah. How are you feeling? Because I'm imagining the contrast in feelings from them calling you in, sitting down, and you're like, I've got this. I, I, I celebrated my boyfriend at the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've got this. A bit tipsy, but I've got this, <laughs> right? And then they say, you didn't get it. How did those two feelings, Yeah. How, how were they in comparison to one another? Yeah, well, I think I'm a, the type of person who's very hard on myself, which can be a benefit and a weakness for sure, because I think that's why I'm able to perform the way I am because I always want to do better. I always want to do better. But at the same time, to your point of giving flowers, like I think sometimes I struggle with giving myself flowers, you know? And so when I heard that I didn't get it, my first, my first place to go was like, well, what could I have done better? I was like, I must have, you know, not had something that they were looking for. Let me see who actually gets the role. And then I can kind of compare like, okay, what do they have that I don't and try to learn from that and try to improve like in those skills, in those areas where I can. And like I said, most of the people were super deserving. I think, yeah, I could even say all the people were deserving, but But I didn't have a family member who worked at the company and retired from the company for years. That was just something I didn't have. There was nothing I could have done to change that. You know, I could have said, oh, I could be more outgoing or I could be more whatever. You know, I can't change who my family is (laughs) and what jobs that they had or didn't have. So that is where I kind of started to just I don't want to say realize the world is unfair because like I've known that, you know, my whole life, I guess. But I was kind of very green, very excited about like this first cube job and, (laughs) you know, just my first office job. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is what they mean when they talk about corporate America. Like, I get it. Like, I was one of the best for the job, but I didn't have this thing that I absolutely can't change. Um, and, And that sucks. So it was kind of just like a disappointed feeling. I think the disappointment went a little further even because you know, I, I did accept this like elevated role, okay. which I'm super grateful for, by the way. Like I, I always say I'm a freelancer now. I'm super grateful for all my corporate experience. I think it makes you part of who you are, like every experience that you have. So super grateful for it. But I, I crushed it at that job. Like I did such a good job as I knew I would. And my manager, again, pulled me into this time. It was like a closet. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was where we kept coffee and like snacks and stuff. And she like pulls me in there and she's like, Latasha, we have to figure out how to get you hired in. Um, There's this job coming up, coming open across the country. It was like in like Iowa or Nebraska or something like no offense, but nowhere I would want to like live. (laughs) (laughs) And it sounded like a fun job, but I was like, I'm not moving to to Nebraska. Like you had your opportunity to promote me. like now that you see it, now that you see how good I am, now you want me. Like now you know that this would be disappointing for the company to not have me. And I was kind of just over it at that point. I was like, no. Um, so I ended up quitting uh, probably a couple of months later. Like I, I did a good amount of time in that role. I did like six months or something in that role. But ultimately, like that's where I just disengaged. I was like, no, they can't have me. Like they they missed their opportunity. Now I'm on to greener pastures. Did you feel betrayed at that point? Because again, 
you're earmarked me, you've pulled me aside. I'm assuming you've had a conversation with other senior leadership team members to say, who do you think, mm-hmm. I'm, who, you, who are you voting for? Give me their name. They've yeah. spoken to you because they wouldn't run it by you. They don't like an idiot and say, oh, I'm putting this person forward. And they're like, no, I'm not on, on it. Oh, okay. Um, um, um. <laughs> but then did you feel betrayed? Did you feel that you was hard done by because society had just stitched you up? It was a matter of your family wasn't there. So no matter how hard you grafted, someone who potentially wasn't as good as you, mm-hmm got the position over you. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a saying and I and I try not to like let this stuff hold me back, if you will, or like wallow in it, but there's a saying, you know, particularly like for people of color, we have to work twice as hard for half of what everybody else gets. Um, being a woman of color, like again, this is not my first time experiencing uh, something where I'm like, hmm, that doesn't really feel fair. Like I kind of feel like I'm better than that guy or that, you know, person. But I, yeah, I, I think this was the most hurtful just because I knew I, it truly was like the perfect role for me. At least I thought it was at the time. Like I definitely felt well qualified uh, for, as opposed to, you know, when I've, I've applied for things in the past that I wasn't fully qualified for and I was just kind of taking a leap of faith. Uh, this, this felt like a shoe in. It was like an obvious choice. So yeah, I definitely felt a little bit hurt by that. So how did you how did you handle that situation? Did you react in a negative way? Because um, I know you mentioned before that you kind of, what what could I have done better? But mm-hmm. once you found out that, that information and realized it weren't you, <laughs> it was external factors that played a considerable part in that. How did you react to that? Was it a matter of, oh my gosh, it's because of my complexion for why this has happened. It's because I don't have those connections in there because it didn't happen. Um you know, whatever. It, mm-hmm. Did you deal with it that way? Or was it like, oh, no, that's fine. I fully get that. I I, I, I get that. Corporate America is tick. <laughs> I've, I've now experienced it. I'm that much closer to living the full American dream. What was it? Yeah. You know, I think revenge is, it, it's kind of how I, I don't know if I want to say revenge. Let's say, you know, giving them a taste of what they could have had is like the sweetest revenge for me. Um, I'm a big believer in like killing them with kindness, all of that. So I just said, I'm going to do the best job that I can do at this new position. And one, use it selfishly as a stepping stone. Cause like, I know I'm not going to probably retire from this company now because I am a little bit bitter about it. So let me at least get this, you know, leadership role on my resume. So when I go out and start applying for new jobs, I have it there. And also, yeah, like, let me, let me show them what they're missing. And, um, yeah, I I think that's, I just put all my energy there. I put all my energy into doing the best job that I could at that, at that job and like doing it selfishly for my career. Did you, how was your relationship with your then partner? Because you celebrate together Mm -hmm. thinking like totally smashed it. And it's like, how did what did yeah what happened when you walked in through that door and you said to him yeah what what you said <laughs> so I didn't give you the promotion um I don't remember he, so he's my husband now and okay uh yeah so we worked out he's shout out to your husband yeah he's been through a lot with me um I I don't 
remember him being like, I, I think he kind of gets it as well. Like, I think he's been there also and was just obviously supportive. Like, you know, that sucks. What are you going to do? Are you going to start looking for new jobs? He was happy because I was actually working like midnights. Um, it was a really weird, again, it was like call center vibes. So I would work until midnight at that job and I got a little bit of a better schedule with this promotion. So I think that's mostly where his head was at. He's like, hey, well, you're getting more time off and, you know, we can actually like hang out in daylight. Uh, so I think that's where <laughs> his head was at. Oh, gosh. More than sounds anything. Like, sounds like vampire diaries at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it was a weird job, but it was a good job. It was a good, you know, place to start, I guess. Well, it's, it's good because it sounds like you've got someone in your life who is optimistic and always looks at sort of like the opportunities that come from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess as well, and this is for me personally, is that your name is very evident that it's not Caucasian, shall we say? <laughs> and for a lot of people, and it's not just over there in the States, it's here in the UK as well, is that if your name is a certain way, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they've all unconscious bias is very prominent at that point yeah i'm fortunate enough that my name is very generic that yeah you'd have to think that sounds like a but it also could sound like a yeah you don't know until you see me it's all good yeah but did did that then hinder you in terms of looking for other jobs because of what you've just experienced being potentially put to the side just because potentially your face doesn't fit you haven't shaken certain hands you're not related to certain people that have worked in that industry before or because I'm I'm really glad you brought that up actually because so my name actually even um it it technically has a capital T it's the la capital T Tasha I did I did think that yeah 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 and and it's 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 actually really sad. I, I was going to say it's funny, but it's kind of sad because over the years, I started stylizing it different because I felt like um, it was a little less in your face, you know, for those reasons. I get that. Which is so sad. Like it's to, to even say that out loud, it's like, wow, what kind of self-hate stuff is that, you know? But it's like what society has conditioned me to do. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I've had the experience. I mean, I remember just like getting my first jobs, you know, in high school. It's like, I can't clean the toilets at a grocery store. Like, you're not even going to call me for an interview. I mean, yeah. Um, and, and even, you know, when I was first graduating college just to get this first job, same thing. I, would, I was like applying for, you know, receptionist roles and, and like not knocking that job at all. But I definitely had the qualifications and the skills to do that. And I w- just wouldn't get a call back, you know. And I'm always like, that's really curious. Um, obviously we never know. I've totally considered, uh, the reason I haven't done this is I'm not sure from a legal perspective if I could do this, but I totally wanted to do a YouTube video where I like applied to the same job with different names just to see what would happen. I think that'd be I'm sure pretty. you could do that to be fair. I'm sure yeah. there has been someone that's potentially done that. Yeah. And if you think about it, how do they do studies that say that X amount of people get hired who have a Caucasian name versus mm-hmm. those that have a black sounding name. Yep. I'm sure, sure if your name was, and this is no offense to anyone called this, but if your name's <laughs> Mercedes, Porsche, or yep. names like that, you probably get less callbacks for interviews than sure. people that name are maybe Mark, Kerry, yep. and the likes of names. Like that. And it, it's horrible yeah. because even when it came to me naming my children, I had to think, and I shouldn't have to think this way. Yep. Hmm. 
and again, there's no disrespect to anyone here, and it's just a name I'm calling. If I name my son Tyrone, Tyrone Brown. Yeah. That you already think something along the lines of, yeah, he's black. For sure. You know, you're not you're not thinking of a white guy at that point. You're thinking of a black guy. And yep. that potentially means that it's forcing a person to already push aside their bias and say, no. And it's like, no, you already thought it. You know, mm-hmm. that fraction of a second where you hesitate right there. So yep. has it influenced me calling my children their names? Yes, it has. Yeah. I've have I robbed them of names that I really like? I don't think so. Yeah. But I think I did it with the right intentions. And I don't think your parents did anything wrong calling you that name because it's a beautiful name and it reflects your personality. However, I can probably appreciate the frustration you have when you have to do it and then you catch yourself stylizing it differently Mm -hmm. to kind of say, I need to fit in. So I'm going to give this analogy and I'm going to try and articulate as best as possible, but it's, it's, it's better if you see the image. So there's a, there's an illustration where there is a guy who is a jigsaw piece and he's gone to college or university, he got his degree, come out and he's walking around trying to fit in with other jigsaw pieces. He mm. doesn't fit. So what does he do? He cuts the top of his head off so that he fits in. Mm. That's technically what a lot of people of color do in society to change themselves. There was something I saw and it resonated with me big time. I'm not the easiest person when it comes to name because my name's Matt Brown. That is dead simple, right? <laughs> but when you get someone that has a African name or just a more unusual name it, and it's various amount of syllables in it, it can be challenging. And I think it's disrespectful when they say, what's your name? Oh, can I call you Phil instead? That's oh, rude. Yeah. That is rude. What can I call you instead? You call me the name I was born with, thank you very much. Right. So this this post I saw ages ago, it was talking about, it was an African guy and he says, oh, I go by this name. And his dad said, why are you doing that for? Oh, because it's easier for my friends and other people to say it. He said, if they can pronounce Nicole Scherzinger, right. they can learn your name. Yep. And it's right. And it's where people place their value on learning certain things. They might want to sound good and they'll say things with a French accent when they talk about French stuff. But when it comes to your name, it's an inconvenience. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I love that. I agree with everything you said. And I think for me, how I have not let it get me down, I guess, is knowing that I I don't want to work for a place that is going to stereotype what type of person Latasha is or, you know, uh, not in terms of race, but like what type of behaviors or I'm going to be a bad employee or something. I don't want to work for somebody that has those biases anyway. So I've always kind of been like, okay, on to the next. Like it, it's saving me a headache of having to interview with someone like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I mean, sure, that that's definitely a piece of it. And and again, for me, ultimately, I didn't I didn't start my business right after this experience. I went to another corporate job. Um. But ultimately, I decided corporate wasn't for me. Like, I don't want to have to deal with that. I would rather be on YouTube and everyone knows what they're going to get. And if they want to not like me because of that, then they don't have to click a link and buy my stuff. Uh, yeah. and, and so that's ultimately been the path. That's not to say that there's not discrimination in entrepreneurship because there absolutely is as well. But I, I have so much more control over the clients I work with and just the BS I have to deal with now. Yeah. And I think as much as that's not the conversation we was going to have, I think it's nice hearing it from someone in that situation because I can talk about my experience. So people say, oh, racism doesn't exist or whatever does. Mm-hmm. Like, It's only because I don't say it. And and this is yeah. something, definitely George Floyd's situation was 
horrible for so many weeks. It was like peeling off scabs of past traumas and stuff like that. And it's like, just because I don't talk about it, don't mean it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. I just don't say things because it makes you uncomfortable, if I'm honest mm-hmm. with you. And people don't believe that. So I would like to think from people hearing what you're saying, will be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you're so confident. The way you come across is so confident. You're this, you're that. And it's, it's, it's a side of you that maybe not a lot of people are aware of. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that. But is this something that you kind of got from going through that experience with corporate that you've learned to, I guess, appreciate yourself, or not yourself, but your name and the power that it gives you because it reflects your personality. It helps shape to mold you to who you are today. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I did. Like you, you mentioned, I I would kind of think early, you know, in my teens and things like that. Like sometimes I wish my mom would have named me something different because this is so hard. I can't even get a job to work at the convenience store or whatever. Um, but like I said, I think it has helped weed people out as well, you know, um, and, and help me get opportunities that are a, a good a good fit. So my question for you at this point is, at a time when you weren't feeling great mm-hmm. out of from not getting that position, I guess, again, feeling betrayed, lied to, misled, whatever word you want to use at that point, what would you go back in time and tell yourself just to keep you on the straight and narrow so you don't do anything mm, yeah. that you shouldn't do that would waste your time? I would say that everything happens... No, I don't want to say everything happens for a reason, but um, timing timing is something interesting, right? You're not doing anything wrong. You are not, you are enough. You are good enough. You will get your opportunity when the time is right. And again, I think that if I were to have gotten this job, I might still be working there because like the pay was good. Again, it's the type of company that people want to retire from. And while that could have been good, I'm not saying I, I never knock like working a traditional job. I think that's great for a lot of people. I don't think I'm that that person. Like I have grown so much, uh, you know, when I really stepped into entrepreneurship and I've been able to help so many people, uh, you know, across the world. And I just don't think I would, included. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would have had that impact working in a cubicle. Um, so everything happens at the time, you know, at at a certain time, and you'll get your opportunity when it's, when it's meant to come. Would you say safe to say that sometimes things happen and sometimes things happen and it's got nothing to do with you and what you've done or not done? For sure. For sure. Um, And especially when we're talking about in the workplace, I mean, there are companies have to post certain jobs, right? Even if they know, oh, this person is going to get the promotion, they legally still have to put it on LinkedIn, put it on Indeed, wherever. And so it is important for all the job seekers out there to know that a lot of times you were like, that you were so close, like you would have been the perfect person. It's just they knew this person or they had a reference or whatever. They liked a shirt they were wearing that day. I mean, sometimes it can just be so irrelevant to the actual to the actual job, which is unfortunate, but maybe you can take comfort in knowing that it's not just you. Like it's, it happens to all of us at some point or another. 
So from that, I, I'm hearing that try not to take things personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, but is that easier said than done? For sure. For sure. It's, it's hard, especially when you're a person who puts so much of themselves into their work like I do. Uh, I like work is, I know people hate it when they say it, but like my business is my baby and I've always treated work like this. Even when I was working at the mall, I still like took that job really, really seriously. And so when you do put so much care and so much attention into something, it's so hard when someone's like, yep, you're, you're really good, but just not quite good enough. Or, you know, there's a situation outside of your control that makes you not be able to get this. It's really hard not to take it personally. But I, I think that goes into something bigger that I'm in this like, you know, little more mature version, the 31-year-old version, Latasha, is that I'm really trying to separate myself from work a little bit. It's okay to love your work. It's okay to be passionate about it. But it's not you. That does not reflect who you are as a human being, who your soul is, you know, your morals, your values. You know, that it's just a job that you do. Even even my business, which is so much like a part of me and so personal, it is not me. So no, that's great. So if if that's not an L, <laughs> you getting passed up for that promotion, what would you call it? Um, it was just kind of a meh. It was like, a, it was a, okay. Um, you know, you know, I think it was kind of an awakening too, because I had started, started to get kind of comfortable in this role, in this job that wasn't, it wasn't, it was like in the marketing department, but it was really kind of like a customer service-y kind of job. Nothing wrong with that. But I always knew I wanted to be creative. I wanted to do other things. And so I think it, it woke me up and was like, okay, see what else is out there. So you can actually start doing the things that you really want to do. And that's what I ended up doing. I ended up getting a job um, at another corporate company that really helped me grow. It was an actual social media marketing job where I got to, I really learned everything I know now at that position. So basically you need something that helps flex your creative muscles. Mm-hmm. Totally. Nice. I was thinking about that for a while. I was like, I wonder if I could impress you with that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. So what we're going to do, if that's all right, let's go on to the next one and yeah. and discuss what your second L is. So the second L you'd like to discuss, and I'm going to try and hold it together here. Yeah. Losing my dad prompted me to quit my corporate job and go freelance. It's a lot to unpack on that one. So <laughs> yeah. take it from where you feel comfortable taking it from yeah. and walk us through it, please, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. So fast forward a couple of years. Um, the year is now 2018, the very end of 2018. Um, I'd been working at this other corporate company. It was like a corporate staffing company. Like I said, owe a lot to them because I really grew in that position, learned how to be a social media manager. Um, I was also doing my business, like I was doing YouTube, side hustling, working with clients here and there. But I never really, like, everyone would always ask me, like, when are you going to quit your job? You know, you're, you're running this successful business already and this successful, you know, YouTube career and things like that. Um, when are you going to quit? And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I need to, you know, I, I'm still really happy making that salary and just kind of doing this as a side hustle. And so it was Christmas break. And, uh, so we were off, you know, for the holidays, went home for the holidays, didn't hear from my dad. 
which was really weird. So I don't know. Do you want me to give the background of like his? You can do whatever okay. you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, because it's kind of weird to explain to people without giving all the context. But so my my father, he was pretty much like a lifelong alcoholic. He, him and my mom split up when I was seven. And we had a relationship, but it certainly wasn't like a typical uh, daughter daughter father relationship. You know, he was just kind of like around, you know, he would call me pretty much every weekend, but like no like Christmas together, birthdays, things like that. Okay. Yeah. He was very, very unwell. He was actually unhoused at the time that he died. So he didn't have a phone, you know, I, he didn't have a house. Like I, I couldn't like go and find him. So it was very much, you know, the relationship was very uh, dependent on him, like to to call me and to reach out and things like that. So it was weird that he didn't call me on Christmas because he normally knew that I'd be in town in my hometown and like try to see me, me, my sister, my mom, we'd all be together. So we'd always try to get together. So I thought that was really odd. And I get home about two hours, you know, from my hometown the next day, wake up. And that's when I get the call. Hi, your dad, his body's been found. Um, so this was the day after Christmas, 2018. And yeah, it was just kind of like, I was in shock. You know, I think as, as you know, you've mentioned that you've lost family member. I, I don't know what your experiences has been, but I think for me, that was definitely like a place of shock. It was just so like, am I hearing this correctly? Like what? Um, he was 51 at the time. So it was, you know, he's very young. Wow. Young. Yeah. Very young, but also, you know, he looked like he was probably at least 70 because alcohol really takes a toll on your body. Um, so it wasn't like shocking, like, oh my gosh, what? Uh, you know, I wasn't so surprised, but obviously just wanting to get to the bottom of it and all of that um, and f- figure out exactly what happened. So that was kind of where my next few days went of just like try- trying to, you know, speak to like law enforcement and figure out like, what you know, what happened exactly um, to the best of our ability, which we didn't really get full closure on it until weeks later when an autopsy and toxicology report came came back um but yeah so that's kind of like the the grim details of of all of that but you know i was luckily it was like christmas break i guess luckily in a way because i was already off and so my boss was super super supportive like she was amazing she's just like um please like work from home like forever like don't like don't come back you know until you are are fully ready so again i have nothing bad to say about my job per se but the next few months were just really hard emotionally for me. And I think it was the first time that I really felt out of control. Like I am very much like a polished, like put together person, like in control, even when I'm really not like I, I have a way of making it seem that way, I think. And I think for the first time I was like, I just, there's just so much that I need to do for myself. Like mental health wise, emotionally, that it is really hard to sit here and pretend like I care at all about what I'm doing. Um, and there were a couple of things that happened. Like I said, most, most people were super supportive, but there were a couple of like calls. I, I went to therapy for the first time in my life during this time because I, I was really, really not doing well. And there were like a couple of calls, you know, that happened over lunch break where I was like, almost going to miss my therapy appointment. And I'm like, this is like me talking about this, like Facebook ad is not in the grand scheme of things. It does not matter. And I don't need to be on this call. Like I just don't. Yeah. Um, and I'm a grown adult and I should be able to go get healthcare if I need it. And so 
yeah, it just kind of made me think in a different way and prioritize different things. You know, like I said, this like newer version of me tries to prioritize myself above selfishly. Selfish isn't always a bad thing, but prioritize myself above like anything else, above my career, above my work. And I realized I just wasn't doing that. I realized I was putting so much of myself into my job previously that like there wasn't anything left for me at the end of the day. Um, and so yeah, I, I was like, well, I have this business. I have this YouTube. Like I have, I had been, I pretty much saved all of my side hustle money. Pro tip for anybody who's side hustling, try not to spend your money because you never know when you're going to need it. And if you already have a salary, just live, live lean, you know, live frugally if you can. And so I had this little nest egg um, and I was like, I think I can make it happen. And so I, that's when I really started to like crunch the numbers and be like, can I actually make it working for myself. Because uh, now I kind of had the motivation to, you know, people had asked me for so long, when are you going to go full time? When are you going to full- go full time? And I just didn't have the need or motivation to, but that really pushed me to. That's a lot. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry for your loss. Um, Thank you. It's it's never a good time to lose a loved one. I think anyone that's heard me, when I found that they've lost a loved one, I'll always say that because it's, <laughs> when is a good time to lose a loved one? Yeah. Answer, never a good time. Yeah. Um, and it's, I find it interesting the fact that even though you had a, a non-traditional relationship with your father, he still had that impact on your life because of the contact that he was having with you. However infrequent it was, there was still some form of routine to it. Mm-hmm. And, one I'd like to say for anyone that doesn't that has a child and don't really contact them, but do every now and again, I guess this is a good point to sort of signpost and say, this is the impact you can still have on your child. Mm-hmm. The fact that you may not be hugging them up, ringing them, going around every day, whatever, you still are important to their life. You still have an impact in their life, whether you're here or not. So if you ever think about doing something you shouldn't be doing, just take it off the table. Don't do it. Yeah, reach out and ask for help if you need to um so big thing for me is one of the people that did pass away was one of my cousins who hung himself at age of 21 and Mm. it hurts me to think that he had no other options than that which i don't necessarily agree with but it is what it is um but for your situation how did you deal with the fact that you got this phone call we found the body of your father How? how how what what do you remember of that time compared to like again the moment before that phone call, you was probably on cloud nine. You've got everything put together. I know what I'm doing at this moment. What I've got planned next, this, down the rest of it. Hello. Mm-hmm. What happened then? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like, you know, I didn't, you mentioned, you know, the, the contact and things like that. Of course, like I missed, he was a very funny person, like super, super smart. I learned so much from him. Of course, there's like a selfish part that misses him. But I also, I think most of the sadness of it comes from like I felt bad for him. I felt he was very sick and I think, you know, we can talk forever about addiction and like how it's not prioritized as like healthcare and it's not looked at as an illness and it and it is, you know. So, well there's certainly choices involved in that and I don't think, you know, I don't like excuse my father for everything he's ever done. I also know he's very sick and it it just it, it felt I felt bad yeah. like more than anything and I was kind of I had kind of been grieving my dad since I was like seven, you know, really in some way. 
And especially when I got into my teens and I started to realize like the severity of his addiction and like what that all meant and like how alcoholics typically die. And, you know, it's not, it's not a pretty way to die. I think I really started to grieve him, but even more, I, you know, when, when it actually happened, it was like, then I started grieving what could have been. I started grieving, you know, any hope that he would get better. Um, and I didn't have a lot of hope, to be honest with you, you know, um, but there was there's always a little bit. There's always a tiny sliver of hope that like this person will get better. And when they finally pass away, like that's done, like that is completely over. So I think more than grieving him for like from like, you know, just a hanging out and talking on the weekends, it was grieving that it was grieving like what he could have been. And like those missed opportunities for sure. So yeah, it it I think obviously the the biggest shift that happened was just like a major mood, a drop in my mood. You know, you can do anything, or at least I feel like I can do anything when I am feeling good. Like yesterday, I went out and sat outside in the sunshine. It was like the perfect day. You know, not too hot, not too cold, just perfect. <laughs> I can do anything. Like I got so much work done. Um, and then you think about the days when it's like rainy and gray and maybe you stubbed your toe, I don't know, or whatever, something bad happened. Your motivation just is totally different. I'm hanging out in my PJs and watching TV on those days at best, you know? And so I guess that's the best thing I can, you know, the best way I can illustrate grief is it's just like every day is gray, you know, every day is sad. And so it's really hard to like get, go above and beyond. It's hard to get out of bed you know, so I, it's definitely hard to like care about something that kind of doesn't really matter that much, like in, in a job where maybe you're not making such a huge impact or, and I think that's why I turned to my business is because, and again, I'm not like discrediting my job, my old job or anything. Cause sure. I did make an impact and helped people, but I was like such a, it was such a machine. I was just like a cog in a machine, like one of thousands of employees at this company. Whereas in my own business, I was talking directly to my customers. You know, maybe I was working on a team of three people tops. I was talking to my YouTube audience and reading their comments and, you know, getting their DMs and like seeing the impact I was making. So it was a little easier for me to motivate myself because I felt like it was, I felt like I was making an impact. Whereas at work, I just felt like I was just kind of playing a role. Yeah. I get that. Would you say you're still grieving now? For sure. For sure. I mean, I think something people, it, it's interesting because you mentioned um, at the top of the episode that people don't really like to talk about, you know, when you're talking about giving flowers and things like that. Like, yeah. You know, people also don't like to talk about death at all. Um, it is the weirdest thing. It is something that everybody will experience, you know, personally, but also everybody will lose somebody at some point in their life. People do not like talking about it. And so I just, shut up about it. Like I just stopped talking about it. I grieved kind of publicly. Like, you know, I talked about it, um, online to some degree, um, for a while. And then I realized like people were getting annoyed about it or people were being insensitive about it or just not caring. And so I just stopped talking about it, but I definitely think it's something that for sure, like, I don't know if you ever really stop grieving. I think it gets easier. Like after the first year, year and a half, I definitely was like my emotions were, you know, uh, a little more constant, consistent, I guess. Like they weren't all over the place. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely like still things that are hard and, and I, I don't know that you ever stop grieving somebody that you love that much, you know, I don't know. I love that you said love that much that again the relationship wasn't what a traditional dynamic of a a husband wife with kids would look like but it is what it is and you still had that love for him so again can't stress it enough if you're in that situation love on your family they still love you yeah it's I ask the question because I have my own thoughts on it and given how I I don't really want to brag about this because it's not really bragging but I have experience in death and stuff yeah. like that or suits to go to funerals and anything else but my take on it when I talk to people about grieving and it's easier said than done I lost those family members when I was I think I was either 14 slash 15 16 so it was like the end of school year for us because our school year is different to you over there but I think what it is is that you condition yourself once once you've kind of got through the whole oh, why now, why now, why me, and all the rest of it. And for me, selfishly, that sounds like I'm perpetuating a reason for me to cry. Mm-hmm. I'm asking silly questions that there's no definitive answers for. I'm just egging myself on. But once I get past that part, I then have to create a series of scenarios. And again, I can only eloquently say it's now when I'm far away from it. A series of scenarios where I can navigate certain situations where I answer the question without touching on the topic to the point where it makes me cry. Mm-hmm. So, hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Thanks. Lies. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. oh, how's this person doing? Oh, well, they're um, not available in a minute, but, you know, c- call back next week and we'll see how we get on. Yeah. Lies. It's all those situations. And there's, there are some times where you are caught off guard. And it's usually when, and this is from personal experience, you listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't listen to radio now because we stream everything. But if you were so fortunate enough to, or unfortunate in your case, if depending on your age, if the radio's on and a song comes on, that reminds you of a time, a place, a movie, a shared memory with that individual, yeah. that will knock you for six. If you're watching a movie, and I'm guilty of this, they have music everywhere. Flipping hell, come on. I'm just sitting there watching Spider-Man. Also, I start bawling got nothing to do with the movie it's completely to do with something's happened and I was not prepared for it yeah I that was not one of my my um scenarios that I'd pre pre-planned and you know how am I going to navigate this situation it was like oh, oh, oh no th- th- this is not a drill oh my gosh uh, yeah that that's my take on how people can sometimes believe other people are no longer grieving. It's not that you're no longer grieving. It's just you've learned how to navigate a whole host of situations yep. through practice, through thinking, through as much as I don't want to go ahead. Whatever whatever your resolve is, you've realized I need to get up and move on because they probably wouldn't want me to sit here wasting the precious little time I have here on earth. Yeah. But that's my that's my take on it. Would you agree, disagree, add your spin to it? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Like for me, it's going home is hard. You know, I, I go home like a few times a year, you know. And so I definitely feel not not only because like that's the place where he died, but also that's where I have all my memories with him. That's where I grew up. And so it's like 
place is big for me. I, I have a tie a lot of memories to place. Um, so sometimes I'll be there, I'll be home and like Christmas, the first Christmas back, I was like, why am I crying? Like, why am I, my temper was like short. I was getting mad at my nephews. Like, I'm like, why am I like this? And it's like, oh yeah, there's this like undercurrent of grief that's like brewing beneath the surface and you're having all these subtle little reminders of this person. And yeah, day to day, I don't think about that because I'm not there. Day to day, I'm, I don't want to say performing, but like you put on a bit of a performance to live your life, you know, to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I totally, totally agree with that. No, no, I think it's, it's fair to say you, that you're in touch with your emotion. What's, what's the worst way that you dealt with the passing of your father? Well, you know, to add another layer to things, I guess, um, you know, I, I always hesitate to like call myself an alcoholic, but you know, I, I definitely also struggled very much with alcohol and I've, it's been five and a half years that I've been sober actually. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I was sober before he passed for, you know, a couple of years. And I think that was where I was like, I really need to get help because I was thinking that was the first time I thought about drinking again. And I thought about using alcohol as a coping mechanism, which really scared me because like I said, it, it was actually pretty easy for me to quit. Once I realized I was like using drinking pretty self-destructively, it was actually really easy for me to quit. But yeah, when when he passed away was the first time I kind of was like, I just need to go get a drink. And I was like, no, stop. That's terrible for you. So so yeah, luckily I didn't do anything. Um, I maintained my sobriety, but I think that really scared me for sure. And that was the worst potential, the worst almost thing that I did. I, I find it interesting that you said that because that was actually a question I was going to ask a little while ago, but conversation went a different direction. And it was to ask you if because of your dad addiction to alcohol, if that was a concern for you, but clearly it was, mm -hmm. you identified it and you went, you know, you took a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was that because of how you saw him in his life and you thought, hang about, pump the brakes? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I was a teenager, I was like, I'm never going to drink. Um, once I realized like what my dad's problem was, I was like, I'm never going to do that. And then, you know, I was a teenager, a little older teenager, and I had my first drink and I like, it's so hard to explain to somebody who isn't an addict because it was just the second I had a drink, I wanted another one. Like I just, it's just immediate, like this immediate, you know, obsession almost. Um, and so, yeah, like I spent my teens and twenties drinking a lot and, I think if my dad wasn't in the position he was in, I might have just been like, oh, this is normal. Because like, you know, everyone around me was drinking a lot too. It's college. And, you know, that's just what you do um, when you're of that age. But because I knew about that additional um, layer, you know, of, of having his DNA as well, I was like, maybe this isn't super normal. Like maybe this isn't, I can't compare myself to somebody who maybe doesn't have an alcoholic parent. And and I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think like drinking to excess is like healthy for anyone. Um, but there are certain things when you're of that age that are kind of a little bit more normal. And I I looked at myself a little harsh, more harshly, I guess, for it, just knowing my family history. Um, so yeah, I, I think ultimately I was like, it's not worth the risk. And also seeing, you know, when people talk about drinking, it's it's so accepted in our culture. Like it's like the most accepted, you know, addictive substance besides caffeine, which I am very much a caffeine addict. And that's the you one are. thing I will not quit. Um, <laughs> but 
you know, it's like the most accepted thing. And it's not pretty. Like, it, you know, true addiction is not pretty. Like I said, dying from like, you know, effects of being an alcoholic is terrible. It's a terrible way to die. It's not sexy. It's not cute. Um, and so, yeah, I think n- having that, when I would be in my twenties, I'd get phone calls from ER, like, hi, your dad's been picked up. He was found in the park. Like, can you come pick him up? Oh, wow. You know, and seeing that it's like, that could be me, you know, whereas I think a lot of people maybe don't have that personal connection to it or don't see like the reality of it. They just see like, oh, we're at a party and it's like a keg and like, it's fun. Yeah. But yeah, that's not what it's like when advanced alcoholism hits. So a question for you, if your dad wasn't in your life like that, do you think you would have continued drinking and not think anything about the addiction part of it? Yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, I guess if I didn't know him at all, but, you know, if I knew nothing about him, maybe. Um, But yeah, you know, if I knew like what his situation was, I, I think I probably would still look at it differently. So let's say, let's say at seven, mm-hmm. things happen the way they do with your parents. He's gone. As far as you're concerned, he was Superman, no issues. Mm-hmm. But mum knew potentially he was an alcoholic, hence why things potentially went the way they went. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't said to you to protect you. Yeah. But then because you didn't know any different, do you think that could have had an adverse effect on your relationship with your health because yeah. of the drinking? I think so. I think so. Because, yeah, I mean, that it was just always at the back of my mind. And again, there are certain like things that you see or experience that you just can't forget. Seeing my dad you know, in a hospital bed when I was, you know, picking him up at 19, 20, seeing my dad passed out on our stairs, like, you know, things like that. The visuals of it, I think really are. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't know if, um, cause it's an, like an American ad campaign, but I don't know if you've seen like the faces of meth campaign. No. Um, yeah. I mean, you should Google it. It's, it came out probably when I was in high school. Um, and they would take pictures of people who were addicted to math, you know, be- like before, or like at the beginning of their addictions, and then like six months later, and they looked like that aged 20 years. And, you know, it was wow. it, the imagery, I think, is really powerful. Like we're very visual creatures as humans. That's why we, you know, have YouTube channels and, and do all the things. And so I think some of that stuff you just can't like erase. So even if I were to, even if I were to hear, oh, yeah, your dad was a, was an alcoholic, like, I think without having those experiences and those visuals, I think I still wouldn't have maybe taken it quite as seriously. Thanks for answering that. If we go back to when things hit, it's worse for you. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's when you decided... Uh, maybe I could go have a drink. Would would you say that was the, that was at your lowest point? Yeah, I would say that's that was definitely the lowest for me. So at some point, you somehow you turned it around, found your motivation, found your resolve to right. Let's start taking the first step, and then mm-hmm. not worry about any more steps until the other step. And then yeah, if you could go back in time, what would you have said to yourself? to help yourself get to that point sooner in terms of this is what you need to understand that you're going to get from this. And the reason I ask the question is because I'm very conscious and I've said it in the other episodes, not all of them, but it's all well and good knowing the right things to say, 
but it isn't necessarily the right time to say those things. But I would, I'm interested to know what you would have said to yourself to help you navigate that space in a better way than you did actually. Yeah. Well, I think I would tell myself that nothing is more important than your health. And that is something that I don't care what your age you are. It's important. I think sometimes we wait a little too long to start thinking about that. We're like, oh, I'm young. You know, I can pull these all nighters. I can do whatever, um, put my entire self into my work. And don't get me wrong. There's like a a time and a place for a healthy amount of hustle. But um, yeah, I I think I severely neglected my health, both physical and mental, um, for a very long time. And so I think your body tells you a lot, like your, which I consider your, your mind also a part of your body. It tells you a lot, um, about the workload you're putting on yourself, about the environments that you're in that maybe aren't so healthy. So yeah, I think there could have been cues even before my dad passed away that I was hitting burnout, that I was not, I didn't really have good coping mechanism, coping mechanisms or like outlets for stress that were healthy and productive. It was like, put your whole self into your work and that's it. Like that was my life. Um, so I think that's what I would tell myself is listen to your body, listen to your mind and, um, find better ways to deal with stress for sure. And do you think you'd have heard yourself? Do you think you'd have taken heed to that information? You'd have been like, shut up. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have listened. I wouldn't have listened. I mean, yeah, it was very much in like just grind mode. And and the over the years, I realized like that's a lot of things that were are deep rooted from trauma and things like that of like having to overperform and having to always be a people pleaser and always be the one, you know. Um, yeah. So I was, but I was very much in that in that period of my life at that time. Interesting. So that loss was the loss of your dad. From the sounds of it, you gained a new perspective. But what would you personally call it, if if anything? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a loss for sure. It, it was a, a big loss, but I think it was also an opportunity to live the life that I really wanted to live. Because I think that's the other part is, again, with him being so young, it really put things into perspective for me. I was like, 51 is not like, I don't consider 51 old at all. I have friends that are 51, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, again, I, I invest in my health, you know, I take better care of myself, but anything could happen at any time. So do you want your last year to have been you sitting and staring at a cubicle wall? Personally, you know, that that wasn't what I wanted. I knew I could make a bigger impact or a different impact. Again, not to discredit people working in cubicles. If that if you're if you're happy with that and you feel like you're making an impact, then that's amazing. I didn't. I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel like I was reaching the people that I wanted to and making the impact that I wanted to. So it really put things in pers- into perspective. So I think it was also an opportunity for me to like take stock of that and to think about what I really wanted out of life. Yeah. Because hearing that, and, and I say this in the nicest possible way, your dad had a bigger impact in your life than I'm going to assume he probably thought he had. Yeah. Oh, I'm just bothering her, but I just want to check on you, baby girl. I want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. Okay, dad. You know, it's fine, whatever. But through his life, through the things that he was addicted to, through the fact that he was being picked up from the hospital, he 
exposed you to a life that you saw that you didn't want for yourself. Yeah. Through his mistakes, you learn how not to make the same mistakes in theory. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of likened to what I, my, one of my hopes is for the podcast in terms of people learn from other people's mistakes. I was told many years ago when I was young, uh, that hurt me saying that. So <laughs> he said to me, Matt, it's good to have bad people around you. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's good to have bad people around you. I was like, why? And he said, do you know why? No, I just said that. He said, because you learn from their mistakes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So not saying your dad's a bad person, but some of the decisions you made are questionable. Yeah. But then if it then opened your eyes to say, hang on, you're trying to tell me you've got 20 years from now and that's it, you're done, game over. Yeah. Do you know what? I don't even like to drink that much. It's fine. Let me put it down. It's good. Yep. Let me focus on something else. But it felt like that. It feels like your dad gave you so much more than probably you would ever have known. Because even today, you're talking about loss is a thing. It will never go away in your mind, in your life. But the fact that you you still hold him in such high esteem, I would like to think there's certain mannerisms that you mimic now more so than before because it's a way of you bonding closer to him. Yeah. And I guess I'm talking more in this episode than I normally do just because when it comes to loss, it is a very (laughs) close subject to my heart. And I don't like people feeling a certain way where they feel alone, isolated around how they're feeling. And it's all well and good. If you are a very productive person like you are, I know I throw myself into my work, but if you're very productive like you are or anyone else that's listening, it's easy to override your feelings and see them as alien, as foreign, as a a weakness. And Mm -hmm. put all this work into this, two plus two needs to make four. Yes. But at the same time, know that life can throw curveballs at you. We've already established that sometimes things happen irrespective of what you do or don't do. It's just the way life is. The seasons change regardless of if you did anything to that tree or not. It's 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 a thing. Yep. So I would like people to sort of understand that grief is a real thing. It's okay to feel what you feel. And you can grieve over people that haven't passed away but are no longer in your life or opportunities that, that you were on the horizon for you, like going back to your first L where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get it. I smashed it. <laughs> and you didn't get it. You what? You misspoke? <laughs> Who better than me? I'm that person. Well, you see, ah, you're wrong for that. That's a form of grief. And for those that don't know, there's something called a grief curve, which you can Google and look at. It's very similar to the change curve, which talks about an event that takes place in your life and the different stages of feelings that you go through. That is absolutely fine and there's no harm in it. And for me, I see that it's important that we embrace our feelings because there's going to be someone else who may be younger than us or not as equipped as we are to deal with this situation at the time that it may happen to them, but they're going to lean on our strength to get them through it. Our stories, like what, what you guys are so graciously sharing to get them through it because you're not preaching to them. You're not telling them what to do, what to feel, how to feel. You're just saying, this is my story. This is how I felt. This is how I navigated it. If I could go back, I'd say this. Would you listen? No. <laughs> but then if there's someone that can support someone that's going through that situation, they can say, okay, even though I have the answers, it's not the appropriate time to disclose those answers because the question has not been asked, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know. I get very passionate about this and 
I guess that's yeah. a good thing. It's, it's, I don't know. I am so sorry for your loss, but at the same time, I am very excited for everything you've gained out of it. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know, because I didn't do it at the beginning for, for, for a different reason to normal, please tell people what your actual business is now that, because it was a side hustle originally. Yeah. Now it's your 24 hours day job yeah. and night job, I'm sure. Yeah. What do you do now? Yeah. I'm a marketing strategist. So I help, uh, you know, other companies, brands come up with their marketing strategies, but I also am an educator. So I create content on YouTube and on a podcast myself for other entrepreneurs, freelancers who are looking to get into it, um, have courses and things like that for them. So yeah, I work with a lot of other people who are looking to start their businesses every day and it's really fun very rewarding and your joy to watch now i i don't want to know anything about how much you make but would you say that your business is successful for sure for sure i mean i i make about 10 times what i was making at that job so yeah but then in terms of success is it solely about the money or is it uh, something else i mean the money of course is a part of it because money is a tool that helps us live the kind of life that we want to live it's definitely not everything and everybody has a different um, standard or a different goal. Like I, I, that's something that drives me nuts about online business is like make X amount of dollars. And it's like, depends on where you live. Like if I want to go live in a, a the mountains somewhere, I could be happy making, you know, such a small amount. I'm not going to place any judgment on that. Um, so yeah, of course, money is like a part of it. But like I said, the, the biggest thing is getting to interact with people every day who are doing really, really cool things. I mean, uh, my clients, my students, my viewers, everybody. I mean, like this, this is so cool. I am such a big fan of what you're doing. And just being able to be connected with you through the internet is like the coolest thing. Um, I would never have probably ever met you, you know, otherwise without it. So that's definitely the most rewarding thing. I was working a very standard corporate marketing job before, which again, grateful for those experiences that helped me do the job I do now. But yeah, I just didn't see the impact every day. I, I didn't get to like reach out and touch the impact in the w- the same way that I get to now. And that sounds really, really nice to sense of in a very dark and bleak situation, there's this shining beacon of light where, yes, the money helps. It's a tool. It's, it supports you in a certain way. But that is not the reason why you're successful in your eyes. It's because you can tangibly touch the impact you're making Mm -hmm. you have the creative freedom to do what you want irrespective of your name Mm -hmm. you work with who you feel comfortable working with oh you don't like my name because you feel funny saying it and that's your business right next you're not worth my time you're not worth my energy even if you did want to work with me I'd probably charge you so much that you wouldn't want to work with me (laughs) you know yeah but you probably couldn't do that for working for a corporate company because it's image it's status it's all the all of the above But I think it's really important that people understand that, and I've said this in previous episodes, and I really like the phrase, there's nothing about a caterpillar that tells you it's going to be a butterfly. Hmm. And your situation is so evident of that in both instances. And I just love the fact that I knew none of this about you. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't think I've come across a video where you shared that on your social that shared that. And rightly so, you share what you feel comfortable sharing at any given time. But I like the fact that people that know you or just meeting you are learning, oh my gosh, you can be hugely successful and go through all of that. Yeah. 
a lot of us are actually broken beautifully broken Mm -hmm. but we're holding ourselves together as best as we can using duct tape no more nails gorilla glue you name it you we've got it on us we're just holding it together and i think that's why it's important to be kind to one another because we're only one bad word or unkind word said to us that will just make us fall to pieces yeah you never know the moment before you met me i could have been pulling myself together to get myself ready for the day ahead you said one bad thing to me i'll just Mm -hmm. drop it again and i'm a crumb Mm -hmm. it's your life is incredible. And what's that phrase? You've never met a strong person with an easy pass. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Everyone's going through something for sure. You are definitely that person. So I'm going to ask you to plug selfishly <laughs> anything and everything you want to, what's going on, where they can find you, your socials. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. The best place to find me is YouTube. Just search my name, Latasha James. And um, yeah, I'm also on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all the platforms at the Latasha James. Because there's only one that you need to know. <laughs> That's literally what it is. Yeah. Latasha James was taken, so I had to, you know, add something to it. It's fine. At least you didn't <laughs> put a one at the end. That would have been a bit lazy. <laughs> yeah. Latasha James won. The original. <laughs> but it's absolutely a joy having you on and sharing what you did. There was, you know... You owe me nothing and I am super appreciative for your time. I know how busy, well, I don't, that's a lie. I don't know to the full extent of how busy you are. I can only assume from what I've seen, but I do appreciate you taking the time out to share, not just to myself, but also to the people that will listen to this and hopefully people be inspired, be encouraged, be motivated to know that it's okay to feel what you feel. We're all going through it and there is light in the tunnel. It may look dim where from where you're at, but let's be honest, you need a light source to cast a shadow. Mm. So just keep looking, keep searching for that light source and you'll find it. Surround yourself by good people. If you can't find good people, go find some good people. Would You went therapy. Would you recommend therapy? Um, I didn't like it the first time. I, I felt it made me worse, to be honest. It's an unpopular thing to say because I, I never want to discourage anyone from getting therapy. But I actually just started going again only about a couple months ago. And I have a completely different experience with it. What I'll say is just like finding any other service provider, be picky. Like find somebody who really understands your lifestyle, um, who's a really good fit for you. Because I think that was my issue with the first person is kind of just went with the first person that was recommended and then it, it just wasn't a good fit. So finding a therapist is like finding a, a partner. Like it's you, you have to really find the right one for you. So don't give up if you have tried it and you you know, hated it, like try somebody else or a different type of therapy too. Like talk therapy isn't for everybody. There's different kinds out there as well, but definitely get help if you need it. Or even if you think you do, because sometimes, sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, oh, but some, sometimes I just would feel like, well, I'm not that bad, right? Like I, I'm going to work every day. I'm getting out of bed. I'm showering. Like I don't really need help. Um, but you don't, there doesn't have to be anything quote unquote wrong to get you know, to talk to somebody. It can just be helpful, just a helpful part of your normal day. So I don't want to discourage anyone from it. Well, you wouldn't wait until your car breaks down before you take to get service, would you? So Mm -hmm. treat yourself that way, if not better. But I appreciate your honesty in that regards, because I think people need to hear that, that it's not always one size fits all when it comes to therapy. Sometimes you need representation. Guys might want to talk to guys. Girls might want to talk to girls. People of color might want to talk to people of color, just because it's one less barrier to overcome, explaining where I'm coming from, what it's all about. Sometimes it's all like, 
You get it. Yeah, I get it. Okay, cool. Let's continue yep. from this point forward. If someone doesn't get where you're coming from, it's like, oh, okay, let me go back to the, the beginning. And yeah, you don't have that. So people yep. find a therapist if that's who you need to speak to. And there is such a thing as growing pains. Mm-hmm. Like growing can hurt. Mm-hmm. Staying in the same place can hurt too. And you just got to know that life is going to push you a certain way. And you can either accept it or you can push back or you can lean into it. Personally, lean into it is where I'll go because you can't stop a wave, but you can learn to surf. And I encourage that with every single person. So I'm going to wrap up and I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you again for Latasha James for jumping on and being a fantastic guest as always. Well, as always, she's always great on the mic anyway. But thank you to you. Uh, Thank you to the listeners. If you ever want to come and find me, I'm on every L pod on no, every old podcast, my bad, on Instagram and Twitter. More active on Instagram than I am on Twitter, if I'm honest with yourself. And I'll have some exclusive content on Instagram. But ultimately, just leave a review if you can on Apple Podcasts. That'll be fantastic. So more people can reach out and get it. If you've got a guest you want me to interview, reach out to me. I'll see if I can do something about it. But thank you very much to every single person. And don't forget, if you're listening to this, you're not alone in what you're feeling. It is ex- totally normal to feel you have your highs you have your lows you have everything in between you are unique but you're not that dissimilar to everyone else we're all going through something similar and that's okay so look after yourself stay well and just remember not every l is a loss speak to you later